0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: The SB Nation NFL Show, Super Bowl Roundtable.
2: What is good, everybody? Welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. This is the first of what will be five roundtable shows here to kick off Super Week. We're going to check in with the Bucks and the Chiefs every day this week just to kind of see what's going on with each team, get the lay of the land, what they're up to kind of a thing. And I am pleased to be joined by two guests, Trevor Sickema, formerly of Pewter Report and now a senior writer for the Draft Network, and Craig Stout of Arrowhead Pride. What is up, guys? It's going well, man. It's
3: going well. Uh, as a Chiefs fan, it's good to be back here, you know. It's been <laughs> a long time since last year. I mean, it it's fine. We're excited to be here. We're excited to be playing the
4: Bucks. I uh, I I think this is going to be a great matchup. Yeah, and uh, you know, as a Bucks follower, it's also good to be back. Just, you know, a 20-year gap instead of sure. coming back from last year. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just <laughs> that's all the same thing, right? now. I'm very I'm very excited because I honestly feel like we have the two hottest and two most talented teams in the NFL that are coming down at the very end. I mean, no you can make it you could make uh you can make some rules for some of the teams in the NFC to potentially be here, but I think the Bucks were hottest when it mattered most in the playoffs and so that's always an exciting thing.
2: Okay, so let me start with you then, Trevor. Like a year ago at this time and I I can speak from experience as a 49ers fan, I was thinking like, "Hey, Mahomes is really good." But we have an awesome defense. We have Kyle Shanahan. Like we're you know, this is anybody's game. But now it's a year later. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl. They roll through the regular season. Mahomes looks like he's from another planet. What is the feeling of Bucks fans right now? Are they like, hey, we probably won't won't win, but who knows? Or are they like, forget that? we got as good a chance as anybody.
4: I think Bucks fans at this point are just so excited. And even though they know that the chiefs are favored and that, you know, if they had to lay a lot of money on the line, they might be taking the chiefs. Like I have not heard any Bucs fan be like, yeah, well like they're just so all in on the fact that they made it. And the fact that Brady is the quarterback and everything. I mean, I think that they really are all in on believing that they can best the Kansas city chiefs. I mean, when I've talked about it before, you know, and it's nothing new, but, if football games were six quarters long, I'd tell you to just cancel the league. Like stop the league. Give the Chiefs like, okay, you did it. You won. This is over. Nobody's gonna beat you in six quarters, but it's four. And so with that being the case, with every game starting 0 0, you always have a chance to survive. You know, you gotta get a little bit lucky, you gotta you gotta play good on both sides of the ball. Can't have too many turnovers. Obviously, you have to a lot have to have a lot of talent to match them, but I think that's where most Bucs fans are at. They're saying, hey, we got a shot, even though it is Mahomes who's on the other side and he's basically been unstoppable since last year. Brady makes everybody believe that they can do it, even beyond some logic. And so I really do think that a lot of Bucks fans believe that they can best the Chiefs in this one. Craig, is this just like inevitable <laughs> for Chiefs fans? <laughs> it's, I mean,
3: there's been some Thanos references around, you know, that the, 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 this team's just a little bit inevitable. But uh, that being said, this Chiefs team through parts of this year didn't look like the Chiefs team that I think everybody's familiar with over the course of the last two games. Patrick Mahomes hasn't looked phenomenal all year long. They've definitely turned it on here at the end of the year. The defense is playing better. I think that you feel like this is maybe a better game or maybe a more prepared team than last year against the 49ers, but they are banked up. They are hurt. Like, there are avenues for the Bucs to take it to the Chiefs in this game. Make no mistake. This isn't going to be a situation where Mahomes is going to drop back 50 times and be able to throw for 400 yards. This is just not going to happen with what they've got out there right now. But that being said, there is a confidence there. Part of that is the Chiefs winning their first one in 50 years last year and then returning after a good season. They got to keep a lot of the same key players. So there is kind of a sense of, yeah, we're supposed to be here. we were supposed to get to this point. And now that they're here, just go ahead and finish the job.
2: You mentioned there might be some avenues for the Bucks to attack you guys. What are those avenues, Craig?
3: Well, through the offensive line that frankly looks really, really poor right now. I mean, the Chiefs are without starting left tackle Eric Fisher. They lost starting right tackle Mitchell Schwartz earlier this season. They lost left guard Clecchio Simile. Uh, right guard Laurent Duvarney Tardif, you know, opted out this season. Austin Ryder is the only player that was projected to start for this Chiefs team at the beginning of the year that's still in front of Patrick Mahomes. Now, They've done it for large parts of this year without everybody but Eric Fishers, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be able to line up and handle Shaq Barrett, that they're going to be able to line up and handle Vita Vey. I mean, those guys are ridiculously good pass rushers. Patrick Mahomes is going to have to keep his head on a swivel because they're going to bring heat, and they're probably going to find success against a, a shaky offensive line Luckily, the Chiefs have had two weeks to try and prepare for that eventuality.
2: When you hear that, Trevor, do you agree? Do you think it's realistic? What's your reaction? Yeah, I
4: mean, when you look at Patrick Mahomes, we're often told this, right, that pressure is king. If you get more pass rushers on your team, whether it's edge rushers or interior defensive linemen or linebackers, if you can throw enough at quarterbacks and get them off platform, get them outside of the tackles, make them uncomfortable, that's how you win. And that just doesn't really exist with Mahomes the way that it should. And I think that that's what scares so many people about him. And it's not just that Mahomes stays good when he's under pressure. He stays elite, right? I mean, like he does crazy things when you get him out of the pocket and when he's mobile. And so that's the tough thing with Mahomes is that you go up against these pillars of of football knowledge that you say, these are absolute truths. If you pressure the quarterback you're going to have a better chance to win. And when Mahomes doesn't allow you to think that, and he gives you proof that that's not true with him, that's what scares you the most. But when it comes to getting a game plan together, there's no doubt that the Bucs are a little bit lucky here, right? Not only are the Chiefs down there starting offensive tackles, the Bucs are getting Vita Vea back to play in the middle. He's going to clog up a lot of holes for them. And we saw what happened a couple of weeks ago, that's a couple of weeks ago, right? Last week, whatever it was, in Green Bay, where they had via back. They they relied on him heavily in the middle. And then that allowed Jack Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul to have a lot of one-on-ones on the outside. And these guys are playing some of their best ball this season. And so that, without a doubt, is right up the Bucks' lane. And that's one of those areas where they absolutely have to capitalize if they're going to beat the team that is favored over.
2: Okay, you guys are being way too nice to each other. I wanted to have you on at the same time so you would fight. So here's what we're going to do, Craig. I want you to give me something that Bucs fans are saying, hey, we're going to be able to do this. And you're like, guess what, guys? You think so, but no, you're not. Oh,
3: okay. Let's do this. Let's do this. The Bucs think they're going to be able to throw downfield against the Steve Spagnola defense, and I think that they're going to struggle. The Chiefs have done excellently on defense, covering number one wide receivers. I think you saw that in the first matchup. Mike Evans saw nine targets, and he only caught three, granted for two touchdowns. But... He didn't be he wasn't able to get open downfield as often as you would guess against a Chiefs team that when you look on paper, doesn't have elite cornerback play, does have some elite safety play, but doesn't really get after the quarterback particularly well. I think that Steve Spagnuolo is going to dial up a crazy blitz plan. We've seen him get exotic throughout the year, and I think he's been laying some tendencies that he's going to break here in the Super Bowl. Maybe some sim pressures off the edge with some of those slot defenders, but I do think that they're going to try and throw everything they can at Tom Brady. Break some tendencies. We saw it last year against New England. Steve Spagnola was running cut you know, with his boundary corners all season long. They get in New England, start running cone technique. Tom Brady throws a pick because he was expecting the DB to do something else. I think Spagnuolo is going to come up with a great game plan, and that's going to limit the Buccaneers downfield passing
2: game.
4: Yeah, Trevor, what do you say to that? <laughs> look everybody thinks that they've got a recipe to be able to slow down Tampa Bay's weapons and we went into the season saying that this is the best Tom Brady maybe has ever had even through the Randy Moss and, and Rob Gronkowski era but uh no it's not gonna happen there's too many weapons especially if Antonio Brown plays if he doesn't play okay that's another thing to talk about but I don't know if you guys noticed but Scotty Miller basically put the game out of reach in the second half or in the first half going into the second half with a monster touchdown. And so it's like they truly grow on trees in Tampa Bay, these offensive weapons. I don't think that you can have a team out there in the NFL that matches up against Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller. You can scheme up stuff all you want, but at the end of the day, you are at the Bucs' mercy. If they execute the way they could on offense – nobody's going to stop them. I really don't think that's going to be the case. So I'll give a little friendly jab back. If the Buccaneers don't get in their way, I don't think Kansas City or anybody else is getting in the way of this offense.
3: People have been saying that about Steve Spagnuolo's defense for two years now, though. I mean, there's something to be said, but I mean, you know, faster than
4: Tyreek Hill, Scotty Miller is out there. So it's hard to defend guys like that. (laughs) Look, I will say that here's the game plan for the Buccaneers. Don't allow one guy to have 200 yards in one quarter. I think that that's probably where the game plan begins for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Big Big key. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That was crazy. Um, Trevor, let me play devil's advocate. And again, speaking from experience, Chris Jones is a monster in the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. He changes the passing game. He changes everything with his pressure right up the gut. And if there is one thing that Tom Brady has always struggled with, everybody struggles with it. But especially at 43, it is pressure up the gut. And Bruce Arians likes those deep passes, those seven-step drops. How is Brady going to deal
4: with Chris Jones? I'm telling you, this is one of the best Tampa Bay offensive lines that I have ever seen. The way that they are all coming together. And they're down their starting right guard, okay? Alex Kappa is not there anymore. He got injured, and so they're going to need to fill his spot. And they have kind of been filling him with some spot guys over the last couple of weeks. They think they have Cindy in there who can who can man it up for him in the Super Bowl. But I'll tell you, right in the middle— Ryan Jensen's having a phenomenal season and right next to him. It's a guy who's been doing it for the last three or four years, as best as anybody has. And that's left guard, Ali Marpet. So certainly the chiefs, you know, they see it. They're going to put Chris Jones over that right guard spot. They're going to try to go after Tampa's weaknesses as much as they can, but Tampa's going to do whatever they can to sometimes slide protection over, get some help from Ryan Jensen, get some help from Tristan Wirfs, who's been unbelievable for him. Get Leonard Fournette in there and maybe help on that right side blocking and almost, Always keep his eyes on that right side of the line of scrimmage. But man, there's not many holes here. Donovan Smith, he used to be this guy that everybody could go after as a left tackle and say, all right, we're just attacking the outside shoulder. We're giving him inside moves. We're going to get by him eventually. And he's having the best year of his career. And so I hear you, Chris Jones is a monster. He really is. But this Tampa offensive line, I would tell you, is the unit that's not getting talked about enough because you don't get to the Super Bowl if you don't have an offensive line that can block for you. And they really have all year long been the driving force in what Brady's been able to do or have the time to do all season.
3: And for what it's worth, the first time these two teams matched up, Ryan Jensen handled Chris Jones like he really put it on Chris Jones a little bit in that game. Steve Spagnuolo going to dial up. He's going to send the house from the second level. You have to do that against a good offensive line. They've been doing it. They did it to New Orleans' good offensive line. They did it to Cleveland's good offensive line. Like They've had to match up against a lot of really top-shelf offensive lines so far this season, and they've taken away some of that stuff. So it is Chris Jones is a major story. If he finds success against the interior of that offensive line, it will be a long day as it is. But I do think that Spagnuolo is going to bring the heat from other places and not just rely on the front floor because they've struggled to do that this
4: year, frankly. The Chiefs have. So they've had to get creative with their pressures in other ways. And I'll tell you why that means a lot for this matchup as well because – Any extra pressure, if you're bringing more guys than the five can block, or the six if Rob Gronkowski's in there or whatever, that then requires your running back to consistently help to pick up in protection. Well, Ronald Jones, everybody knows this, he's their more talented running back. He's the guy they want to hand the ball off to, but... He's not nearly as reliable in pass protection as Leonard Fournette is. And even Leonard Fournette's been a little bit skeptical as of the last couple of months of the season. And so you just never know what you're going to get. And if you're, you're bringing extra pressure and it's successful, you're putting a lot on that running back room in Tampa Bay to really hold up, to get in front of guys, to block well. And unfortunately, because that's just not Ronald Jones' way of doing things, Tampa loves to be balanced. They love to run the ball quite a bit, as much as everybody likes to talk about the pass. They'd love to hand the ball off to Ronald Jones more than Leonard Fournette, but they can't if all these teams are bringing blitz packages because he just doesn't pick them up well enough. And so that is another storyline, kind of an X-factor matchup that'll go a long way is that if Kansas City's bringing a lot of blitzes, that will force Tampa Bay to continue to just have Leonard Fournette in the game, not get to utilize their best running back, even for as much as they want to run the ball.
2: That is some high-level analysis right there.
4: not going (laughs) to lie.
2: I want to get into more of the nitty-gritty stuff. I want I I want to get into like the today stuff because normally it would be opening night tonight right all these guys would be at podiums they'd all be talking I feel like tonight is the first night where like holy crap we're at the Super Bowl it kind of sinks in well, now I'm seeing on Twitter, they're doing opening night on the, on the you know, virtually now. It's, it's way different. Kansas City can't even arrive until Friday, I believe. Craig, is that an issue at all? Does that change anything for Kansas City? You think it's business as usual?
3: I think it's business as usual, but I think they're actually getting in on Saturday. The rumor was that they might fly out wow. Saturday morning, just trying to delay it as much as possible. I know that they've got kind of a stay-at-home order for all those players and their families. Nobody's going out. Nobody's doing anything. They don't want to lose somebody going up to this game. Having to travel for the Super Bowl, what's that
4: like? What's, it, what's that like? Well, I don't,
3: oh. it worked out. It worked out for this team in Florida last year. Okay. It
4: was pretty good last year in Florida. So yeah, different city though. You know, different different city. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I had to I had to get that joke in there because uh, as if it hasn't been talked about enough, it was funny because I right. I, I did see that report that they weren't leaving until Saturday. And I almost quote tweeted it, but it was from a reporter that, like, I don't know really well, so I didn't want to come off as a jackass, and I, I didn't want to be like, "Hey, do you happen to know when the Bucks are flying out? You know, happen to know like when they're uh, when they're traveling?" But uh, yeah, I didn't want to be a dick to them. When did the When did
3: the Chiefs fly to Tampa in Week Twelve? Was that on Saturday as well?
4: Uh, you sure know, that was on Saturday. I think. Yeah, I think it was on Saturday. You're right. Yes yes let the hate (laughs) flow how big a
2: deal is that like because I the Chiefs are super experienced having been here last year Trevor obviously Brady's experienced they've got some experience but they don't have to travel like do those two things cancel each other out in your mind or how do you think that works
4: I I really have no idea you know like even in a normal year you might be able to say like oh home field advantage you could totally kick this at the Buccaneers but like the stadium's only going to be what 20-25% capacity anyways, you know, it, it's not going to be that same kind of party it always is at a Super Bowl with tailgates as far as the eye can see. I just don't know. You know, it certainly it does not hurt the fact that you don't have to travel you're sleeping in your own bed you're practicing you know on a field where you can look over if you if you're ever at one buck place you can see you just look to your right when you walk in the facility and boom there's the stadium there's the super bowl signs there's everything and so it's all there it's motivation it's always in your mind and i think that anything that can give you a mental edge keep you more focused sure that goes a long way into the biggest game of the year but it's it's hard to say what home field advantage has really meant throughout the whole year it's just a very different year so of course you're going to take it I don't know how much it's going to mean though we'll see
3: yeah and if the Chiefs weren't here last year in this similar situation last year I think I would be a little more reluctant to feel like they'd be comfortable like I feel like the nerves would hit them a little bit more and all of that but with the Super Bowl last year and getting the nerves out of the way because that first night sitting there on radio row and having everybody introduced like that rush of energy and those nerves and everything like that, they're there mm-hmm. like and you get to get them out a little bit earlier in the week. If they didn't have that already and they didn't, they weren't returning so many players from that roster. I would think it would be a very scary thing that they come out flat, which I still could don't get me wrong, but I think it would be a much bigger issue for this team if they hadn't have kind of gone through this preparation once already.
2: I can't decide which quarterback is harder to rattle. Like Tom Brady has literally seen everything you can possibly see in the NFL, and he's come back down a zillion points to the Falcons in a Super Bowl. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes like literally does not care how many points you spot the opposition. He just decides when he's going to start playing (laughs) and then destroys your dreams. Craig, like sorry, he,
3: Rob. Sorry, Rob.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Make the case that, that Brady will get rattled where Mahomes wouldn't. Oh man. Oh, you're really
3: putting me on the spot here. <laughs> um, listen, Brady has gotten beat by Spags in a Super Bowl once already. He's got that onus on him. His job is to come out here and beat Steve Spagnolo because Spagnolo's made his money off of his ability to stop. Tom Brady in the Super Bowl and that awesome defensive line and his base, his great game plan that teams tried to use to stop Tom Brady for so many years. I think the pressure's on Brady to do that because Spagnuolo already won one again last year. This isn't a situation where Spagnolo's trying to cement a legacy. He's already done it in Kansas City now. So I think that Spagnuolo can get in his head a little bit early as much as anybody can get in Tom Brady's head. It's impossible to do, but I think Spagnuolo's one of those guys that he knows has his number a little bit and can come out and wreck a little bit of havoc. So I think that that's how you rattle him. Just get him behind the eight ball a little bit. Make him start pushing. Make him start thinking about, oh man, here we go again. Oh man, here we go. Steve Spagnuolo's coming again. So
4: I think that's how you would be able to rattle Tom Brady. This is a conversation that I I was having last week, and it's... It was kind of that, that, that same thought of like, how do, you, how do you beat Tom Brady? How do you get him off his game? And I would tell you that the way it's most effective to do that is to go after the guys that he's throwing to who have their individual jobs to do, like their individual assignments. You're not going to mentally break Tom Brady. I mean, it's just, it's not going to happen. He's a mental assassin. That's how he's gotten to this point in his career. That's why he's so successful. But if you can overwhelm Chris Godwin if you can overwhelm Cam Brady, if you could overwhelm Scotty Miller or Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette, then all of a sudden the players he's trying to get to the ball to, they're not doing their job correctly. And so that still goes into execution and moving the ball and all that kinds of stuff. Because, you know, the conversation that I was having a couple of weeks ago was it's amazing the effect that Brady has had on this team, because he's not just making them better in not turning the ball over as much as James Winston, but He's making these guys. His presence is demanding that they are on their p's and q's. That there is not that undisciplined nature that the Bucks have had throughout all of their talent over the last three or four years. Guys are having to be better. They're having to not. They're having to make less mistakes because Brady demands it of them. Not necessarily even as a like a dictator or or somebody who's yelling at him or anything like that, but just his presence is kind of demanding them to be at their best, and so. Asking how you rattle Tom Brady is, is almost, like Craig said, it's almost an impossible task. But maybe you could rattle the guys he's got to get the ball to. And I was saying, like, if, if you've got a weakness, it might be this, because Tom Brady's very experienced in the postseason, but the rest of the guys with the Buccaneers aren't. It's a young secondary. It's, it's a young offense in terms of playoff experience. They haven't been here in, you know, 12 years. These guys don't know what it's like. And so making the Super Bowl lights too bright for them and all that, that might be how you do it. Because if you're going to try to rattle Brady, it ain't gonna happen fully agree
3: with all that that's that's a great avenue towards trying to do it because yeah he is he's jordan you don't rattle right, jordan right you just
4: you just don't get you, in his head you he get in your head. If you try to do yeah. it you're just poking the bear and he's dropping 60 on you like that, oh was, that was jordan yeah. that's brady you know yeah
2: okay i only have one more question for you guys before we get to uh an interview with kyler murray and that's for you trevor there was a 2.3 million dollar bet on the buccaneers plus three
4: and a half was that you yeah <laughs> No, um no, it was not me. There was a 2.3 million dollar bet. I know I don't know anybody who's putting down that kind of cheddar for this specific game, but I do know some people who early on before the season started, like I'm talking March, April when they had Brady initially, who put some money on the line at like 30 to 1, 40 to 1, 50 to 1 odds for the Bucks to win the Super Bowl. And so, I know a few people who are about to cash out if the Buccaneers win this game.
3: Two point three—that's an insane amount of money. My goodness! It's one
2: of the biggest, like, sing, single bets ever made
4: on the Super Bowl. It wasn't you, okay? I will track it down. Did he make it from GameStop? Is that how he got? Is, it, is he just taking the GameStop money and moving it, moving it over before the SEC gets him?
2: Well, the thing I would love is if you could say, like, in the third quarter, all of a sudden the Bucks are losing, he could just say, "Up, oh, never mind, take that bet off the table." <laughs> That'd be like perfect. I mean, we're gonna follow the rules of anyway. I'm getting into an area that I never meant to be in. Anyway, I want to thank you both very much for the time. We appreciate it. Trevor Sykema from the Draft Network, formerly uh, Pewter Report, and Craig Stout from Arrowhead Pride. Thank you very much for the time. Good luck to both of you, but I hope the Chiefs lose, and thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks again to Trevor and Craig. Okay, let's take a break, and then we'll bring you our interview with RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys and Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray.
5: Pleased to be joined now here on the SB Nation NFL Show by the one, the only, legendary, internationally famous Heisman Trophy winner, Texas high school football legend, number one overall pick, Arizona Cardinals quarterback, uh, Kyler Murray. <laughs> Kyler, did I get it all?
1: I yo. That was the best introduction I've, ever, I've probably ever had.
5: So. Um, I've been wondering. I, I'm not going to be the guy to ask you about it, but since since the Hail Mary to Hop, how many times has it has that been the question you've been asked the most in your life since that moment?
1: Uh. No, I, I don't. It hasn't, but it was a, it was a fun moment. Like it was, it was crazy to be in that. You know, it's one of those moments now where you like, you you usually see that on YouTube or like on TV. You know, but to actually be in it and see everybody rush. Like I wish the I wish the stadium was packed because you know the place was, place was not crazy. But um, it it was a it was a cool moment to be a part of.
5: I'm curious about something. Um, I looked through your Instagram page, and it's you got a lot of professional photos, so well done there. Um, but you <laughs> you have um, you have some photos of when you were younger, of you wearing a Cam Newton jersey when he was with the Carolina Panthers, and a Russell Wilson jersey when he was with the Seahawks. Yeah. My first question is: Do you still have those exact jerseys, or have you gotten cooler ones since you've been in the NFL? Uh,
1: I've got I've got jerseys. I've got all my jerseys, like since I was a little kid, right. Yeah, I have got some cooler ones though since I've been in the league.
5: Who's like who's some of your cooler ones that you own? That's that's my real question. Like, what have you picked up? And obviously, I know you you like all these guys, you respect their games, but you've looked at the jerseys, and been like, this is pretty sick. I'm I'm building a pretty nice jersey collection here.
1: Um, Julio Jones, um, obviously uh, Russell. I got like Trent Williams. Um,
5: okay. What about other sports? Do you have any that you like? You're a soccer guy? I mean, I, I imagine you have a ton of baseball jerseys too. Uh, I do.
1: I do um growing up man, I watched I watch soccer all the time. Like I mean Cristiano my favorite player. I don't know if I'll be able to get a get a jersey from him, uh, anytime soon right now, but I got I mean, I got cut. I, I got I do I got so many jerseys like growing like growing up man. I was like, that's what I wore every day was jerseys, bro.
5: That's awesome. So your first NFL game of your career was a tie uh, that came against Matthew Stafford's Detroit Lions. I don't know if you thought about that in the last couple of days, but you'll be seeing Matthew Stafford a little bit more frequently now uh, with him being part of the Los Angeles Rams. What was your first thoughts when you, when you saw that?
1: Uh, you know, I, w- I was surprised when when I saw the trade. Yeah, I've been telling everybody I, I love Matthew Stafford's game. You know, I think he's very underrated. You know, they definitely got a, 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 you know a great quarterback. But you know, this is this is the NFL. You can get beat any you know any given Sunday. It's it's uh it's one of those leagues where if you don't if you don't show up, you know, you, you can get embarrassed. So I think at the end of the day, man, we got to go out there and compete. So it is what it is.
5: No, sure, it does move fast, and and things kind of end up happening in a fun way. I went to Texas A and M, and so the fact that you and Christian Kirk play together is not cool for me and all my friends. Um, and on that note, I. I cover the Dallas Cowboys uh, for ESPN Nation. I, I, yeah, I see, I see. Yeah. And so, your thoughts on Ceedee Lamb's rookie season? One of the best receivers you've ever thrown to, if, if you don't mind me saying.
1: Yeah, man, I I, I really wanted to play with him, but uh, I got my time to play with him in college, um, <laughs> yeah, and we're we're still you know very close. So I kept you know I keep up with all my boys. So he, he you know seeing what he did, it, it really just goes back to me wanting to play with him. And be like, yeah, <laughs> you know when you're watching him every Sunday go off. I thought he had a great year. You know he stepped right in, uh looked natural for him, uh, looked easy for him, which I knew it was going to uh, You know I, I know he will keep getting better you know guys for him.
5: it felt like your game against the cowboys this past year actually was kind of a coming out party for you guys uh it was on monday night football did yeah. well, did you not agree you um did, no that... like
1: that was probably like that was i think that might have been like one of my worst games like me personally as a team as a team you know we uh yeah that was a you know that that was probably one of our best games, but no, I could have threw for like four four or five touchdowns and like had three hundred yards something like that but yeah no, i i don't I wasn't very fond like I left that building mad,
5: really. Do you do you feel that way often after games? Because that I did mean from a team that it felt like after yeah, that yeah, game. Yeah. yeah, because it was Monday night, everybody, you know, take the Cardinals seriously. And and I think a lot of it was your homecoming kind of and Cliff's homecoming. So there was all that going on in it. Uh, but is that is that a common thing for you? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you hold yourself to really high standards. So even I know your your number one goal is the team success. Uh, yeah, but yeah. but do you feel like that often? Even if if the Cardinals win, you're like, man, you know, I left a lot out there today.
1: Yeah, I think that's just who I am. Just like I mean, it wasn't. I, mean, I was frustrated on the sideline, like damn near the whole game. But uh, it doesn't happen too often because usually, you know, we capitalize on the plays that are supposed to be made and stuff like that. You know, so it happens every once in a while.
5: What did you feel like was an issue that game specifically? Like, did just it just didn't happen, or did did you feel like the Cowboys did? Because it was a really poor performance by the Cowboys. Did you feel like they did something that that just it uh, was just a weird moment?
1: It was more so just on. Probably on me, just on me. Mm-hmm. And I was dealing with some some stuff, so it was just sure. Yeah, I had to, I had to, you know, play through some stuff.
5: Well, um, you did have an impressive season, so you bounced back pretty considerably. Well done uh, from Appreciate that it. moment. And in fact, you had such a great season that Snickers awarded awarded you, excuse me, the Hungriest Player of the Year for the 2020 NFL season. For anyone watching on YouTube, Kyler has the Snickers Hungry Chain. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the chain is valued at $60,000. Uh, tell us about it.
1: $60,000. You're right. It's got a uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> 2300 stones in it uh 30 carats or 30,000 carats correct i'm correct <laughs> um but it's uh it's like like you said 20 uh 2020 hunger's player of the year uh it's a great honor there's a lot of players in the discussion in the running you know that wanted throughout the season that had great seasons i mean le- so many players that i was i was, I was honestly surprised that i wanted <laughs> but you know we're here now and um I'm honored to, you know, have won this, you know, to donate uh, mm-hmm. off to first responders in Arizona.
5: That's awesome. Yeah, Kyler is, um, is donating, uh, you know, the chain to benefit heroes on the front lines in Arizona, including nurses and other essential workers. Very cool stuff. What's your, if you're starving, uh, maybe it's after a game or maybe after a workout, whatever, what is your go-to, obviously it's Snickers, but besides the Snickers, what's your go-to meal that you just like, I'm, I really got to eat something right now. What do you want?
1: What's my favorite meal or what would I go to, like, if that was the case? Both. Though, but-
5: both because I know sometimes, like, your favorite you might not have the time or yeah, you know, yeah, whatever, yeah. but like, maybe, maybe, I don't know if somebody's cooking it for you or what and like, maybe fast food, like, what's your deal here?
1: Um, yeah, no, if I if I needed like a go eat type of deal, like, it'd probably be Chipotle,
5: nice. Um,
1: but I, I mean, I've eaten that so much in my life that it's kind of like, man, <laughs> like, if if I my favorite meal had to be something my mom cooks. Okay. Like, again, the specifics, but, sure. You
5: know, it's, Got to protect yeah. the family recipe. I get it. Um, I yeah. once, I once ate at the Chipotle in College Station in college. Seven days in a row. It was like I don't know. You know, you're in college. You think something. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I've been there. I've been there
5: with you. I've been uh, there. Uh, <laughs> uh, so this has been obviously, you know, obviously in 2021, a new year, but a very strange year in the pandemic. What's something you've enjoyed on Netflix when you've gotten some time to just kind of decompress? What's something you've streamed, you know, in the last year that you really enjoyed that you would recommend to people? Obviously people can go watch the Cardinal season on game pass and enjoy Kyler yeah. as the hunger's player of the year. But besides that.
1: Um I don't, I Honestly, I really don't watch Netflix too much. You know, I'm usually, you know, either on the game or, or football, but if, if, if I, the show I did watch on Netflix was Queens Gambit. I, wa- I watched that. Um, I watched Game of Thrones last last uh, you know before the season during uh, quarantine and stuff like that. Sure. I would recommend. I would recommend Queens Gambit. I don't know. If people, I like chess, so I don't know if people you know if that was why I liked the show. I thought it was a good show, regardless. Um, a little weird, but um, I thought it was a good show.
5: Well, I know Amari Cooper's a big chess guy, so maybe you guys get some Cowboys-Cardinals
1: action going on on the chess he actually He actually talks to me about it after the game.
5: <laughs> right on. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Kyler Murray, uh, Snickers' hungriest player of the year for the 2020 NFL season. Reigning rookie of the year. Sorry, your reign's going to have to come to an end in a couple of days, but I'm, I'm sure you're glad to be a veteran at this point. Uh, best of luck moving forward, Kyler. We wish you the best. Certainly want to see more action from the Arizona Cardinals, and hopefully you're not upset after a game because that would mean you had a really great game. So we're rooting for that. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Enjoy Super Bowl week.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you.
2: And that's going to do it for this roundtable edition of the SB Nation NFL show. If you haven't done so already, please rate, review, and subscribe. We really do appreciate it. And you can keep it locked into this channel all week long. We have the daily updates for you in the morning to let you know not only what's going on with the teams, but also the league in general. We're still going to give you our daily NFL shows like we have all season long. And like I said, you're going to get these roundtable shows as well in the evening. Just to keep you up to date and let you know what's going on with the Super Bowl teams. Thanks for joining us, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow.
0: More to dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals.